Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, August 1st, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Arts and Culture Editor Ashley Steve. Ashley, you can get a little closer no, to the I'm mic. <laughs> you can get a little closer to the Fine, mic. Fine, I'm here. Hello. Thank you. Hey, we are in my hotel room sure. on 44th Street, right across the street from the Belasco yeah, and the Hudson. Fancy. I can see both the Belasco and the Hudson from my room. Unfortunately, there are no shows there, yeah. uh, or I would have just walked across the street to, to purchase tickets. Uh, Ashley and I are... yeah. To whatever it doesn't matter um ashley and i are fresh back from the bernard b jacobs theater where we just witnessed the final closing performance performance of company on broadway we will be talking about that momentarily there's not a ton of news but there are a couple big news stories that we want to get into before we hit that but i did want to let you know there are a couple episodes in the podcast feed over the weekend the uh latest episode from jan simpson is in the podcast or in the uh, patreon feed so you can hear that before it hits the regular feed next week i also had a special interview with asher muldoon who is the writer behind irish reps the butcher boy Uh, i saw that show over the weekend it is not yet open so i cannot talk about it until the embargo uh uh lapses um but the interview is in the podcast feed and then this week on broadway james peter and michael uh talked about a whole host of things including orestria at uh, orestia at um, park avenue armory so check all of that out so the first thing we want to talk about uh, did come from deadline and apparently over the weekend uh, or maybe late on Friday, Netflix filed lawsuit against the writing team of Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear, the creative minds behind the very popular, unofficial Bridgerton musical. Grammy-winning. Grammy-winning. And I think we talked about, it was either you or me, Ashley, or, or me and Grace, whenever we talked about the Grammys, was we talked about the fact that like this unofficial thing, we were shocked that Netflix yeah. was letting this happen. Yeah. And apparently, uh, they're not... But I have to be honest with you. I am full-throatedly behind Barlow and Bear making this thing happen. But they kind of done screwed this one up. A little bit. So reading from the Deadline article, Netflix originally hailed the concept when it debuted as a free online uh, homage to the show. Much like Disney worked with the creators of the Ratatouille TikTok musical to make that happen. However, through the course of this becoming first a TikTok thing into a Grammy-winning album and now going on to do live concerts, including one at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. to a sold-out house last week, which is what officially was the straw that broke the camel's back. They are also offering uh, merchandise with the word Bridgerton on it. Uh, They also have a number of other concerts set up, including an entire tour and some in London. Apparently, according to Deadline, Netflix has made multiple overtures to Barlow and Bear to set up an official license to make this something that could be beneficial to both of them. There is no explanation given in the article as to why Barlow and Bear have decided not to take that route, only that they have declined those opportunities in the past. What I think is very interesting about this is we talked about it, how like comparing this to like the an unofficial Friends parody musical that runs yeah, off Broadway, right. or the unofficial Office parody musical. This Bridgerton musical is not a parody. No. And that is a it's huge a distinction. of something that's already a property. Yeah, and so um, the, they don't have that, you know, free use doctrine right. to work under, um, but Netflix has made repeated objections to the stage show. Tickets sold starting at $149 uh, to VIP packages that went on. Um, the live show, according to Deadline, features more than a dozen songs that allegedly copy verbatim dialogue 
character traits and expressions no. from Bridgerton, which is a problem. Um, <laughs> and, and this looks like it's going to be something that moves forward. Shonda Rhimes, who is one of the executive producers and brought Bridgerton to Netflix as part of her overall deal said, quote, there is so much joy in seeing, seeing audiences fall in love with Bridgerton and watching the creative ways they express their fandom. What started as a fun celebration by Barlow and Bear on social media has turned into a blatant taking of intellectual, intellectual property solely for Barlow and Bear's financial benefit. This property was created by Julia Quinn, who uh, wrote the books that this is originally based on, and brought to life on screen through the hard work of countless individuals. Just as Barlow and Bear would not allow others to appropriate their IP for profit, Netflix cannot stand by and allow Barlow and Bear to do the same with Bridgerton. And again, Yikes. on the sign of Barlow and Bear... But Shonda is one of my favorites, so I'm always oh, going to be yeah. in favor of Shonda. But, like, she's right, Ashley. Yeah, absolutely. I, this is messy. I didn't know all the details about it behind it, but we've talked about this so much before. Like you said, kind of the how are they getting away with this kind mm-hmm. of thing where it is uh, not so much straddling the fair use line. It's no. completely laying across it, across it with most of their body on the other side. Um, well, well past time for them to kind of come after them on this, unfortunately, which is a shame because this was something that started on social media for people who were fans of the show. And I'm sure that they didn't want to kind of work with Netflix on it because they would have to give up some of their own or all of their own creative Mm -hmm. intellectual property behind it. But if you're pilfering somebody else's intellectual property, then what can you do? Yeah, and the thing is, is, is it seems like Netflix wanted to make this work. Yeah. And Deadline did include copies of the lawsuits. You can go and look at the lawsuit, and there are things in the official court documents that says that Netflix has tried to reach out for licensing agreements. Now, they don't give the details in the terms. So it might have been, you owe us 95% of your profits, right. which would have obviously not made sense. Right. And, but, and would make sense why they're running away from exactly. it as much as possible. But, but my thing is, is like, who's advising Barlow and Bear on this? Because like, whoever is their lawyers or their managers or advisors or whoever, like, this should have been figured out long before you started doing live concerts. Like, the album, even before the album, to be honest yeah. with you, like, once this went from being a fun TikTok thing yeah. to something where you actually started making something to sell, like, you needed to get an entertainment lawyer and bridge this gap to make sure that you were doing things legally. Where you're taking a Netflix property, too. Yeah. It's not like this is, like freebie or whatever else little well freebies amazon so (laughs) we're not gonna mess with freebie uh either whatever tiny little thing then rather uh yeah netflix is notorious for going after people and they should be it should be because it's because it's still other people it's it's other artists but still other artists yeah that's the thing it's just a slap in the face that Artists in general would be doing something like this to other artists, even if it's something as big as Bridgerton and Netflix, especially if it's something as big, because it usually means someone got a break yeah. and they're working on a show. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm a little torn on this because I think from the artist standpoint, we want to support the artist. They, they have made something that other people are willing to pay for, yeah. and we want to support that. And I want more stuff like it. Absolutely. Just with support yeah. of their parents. Organization. Yeah, but the artist who actually originally created Bridgerton is yeah. now losing money because other people are are trying to capitalize on it without that. I mean, it's it's you know Disney is notorious for taking people. Always. You know, it's like people. I mean, me living in Orlando, like 
you see so much knockoff Disney merch. Oh, God. And that stuff. Marky Moose. Yeah. And it's like, that is not cool. I mean, but this is even more so because, like, this is coming from, like, one individual writer yeah. who this blew up. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I want them to get this uh, figured out. But unfortunately, it looks a little messy, and I don't know what the path forward is. I don't think there's a way to figure it out without them losing everything that they have behind it, which is obviously what they're trying to avoid. And I mean, I hope they, they may have to give everything up. I don't think they'll have to give everything. I think Netflix. Won a Grammy, so yeah, that's not going away. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I feel like if Netflix really is offering some sort of agreeable license there is a path forward here i just hope that whoever is advising barlow and bear tells them to take the deal a better advisor yes absolutely you have already because clearly it's not working for you no uh, all right so let's get into the other big bit of news and this is something that we've talked about quite a bit here and it was not a surprise it's been rumored for a long time but it was officially confirmed on friday uh via a report from the new york times that the uh I guess not even long running, but the fairly long running for an American play. It actually, I think is the long longest running in hiatus. Yeah, yeah, long running in hiatus, and it, I think it was the longest running American play on Broadway it at was the time. The most, you know, most money earning. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Bartlett Shear. That show has long kind of touted about the fact that it would be coming back to Broadway at some point. It is apparently no longer going to do Just that. Kidding. Yeah, in an email that was obtained by the New York Times, the show's director, Bartlett Shear, emailed uh, everybody and said that the person who decided not to bring it back was the one and only Scott Rudin. What? Uh, shocking, who is still technically the show's lead producers. Uh, Bartlett Shear called the decision, apparently they, they described it as last minute, so I don't know if they were working towards some sort of return, mm. um, but they did say Ludin, Rudin's last minute decision was, quote, incomprehensible. Um, Rudin cited the uncertain economic landscape of Broadway post-shutdown um, as the reason for the closing, explaining that he did not, quote, believe that a remount of Mockingbird would have been competitive in the marketplace. Now, if the show would have come back a year ago yeah. during the summer or in the fall, actually with Which Greg Kinnear, yes, 100%, even if it wasn't in you know the Schubert or the Belasco or wherever, I think it would have done really well. I think it would have sure. continued to sell tickets based off of the name of the show, based off of having a star there. Which but, is why it's going to work well on tour. Yeah, it's still doing great. Absolutely. I'm going to see it in Orlando uh, this season when it comes to town. Just give more money there and start going. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a sports <laughs> night and West Wing fan, uh, I do love those shows. Um, also have problems with Sorkin since then. But um, I... I I'm a, I, I agree that the fact with all of these new things coming in, I think that this show would have a difficult time getting um, market share because so many of the theater people have already seen it yeah. and, and they would be looking at these other things. When it was coming back as one of those first things back, I think it probably would have been fine and done a lot of money and probably could have closed uh, Labor Day. Uh, 2022 mm -hmm. and been a really successful run. Obviously, all of the controversy with Rudin and Rudin stepping back from his productions <laughs> yeah, no, made that sense. impossible. But, um, I mean, not surprised at all, though. If it wasn't going to come back at the start of summer, it was never coming back because they at least need some tourism season mm -hmm. behind it. And if even if New York's tourists aren't coming as much as they were before starting to pick up again which good double-edged sword 
um, as we just walked through Times Square and I wanted to die. But yeah, if it didn't come back ahead of the main tourism season, it just wasn't going to. And it's kind of weird that <laughs> we're actually having to cover news about it because I yeah. keep forgetting that it's technically still or was technically still on Broadway. Yeah, it's just been in limbo. And we figured it wasn't coming back because it was going on tour. And at this point, like, it makes sense for it to be on tour as opposed to yeah. on Broadway. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the big news of today, uh, Sunday. 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 Sunday, um, Sunday. Two big things happened. We saw Company. We'll get to that here in a second. But also I do want to mention that Beanie Feldstein played her final performance as Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl on Broadway. She will be uh, succeeded by Julie Benko, who will play the role through September 6th. When Leah Michelle, Leah Michelle will be the one to uh, take over that role post Labor Day. So we want to send all of our congratulations to Beanie. We've made our thoughts on that whole thing. Yeah. Um, very well known. Take a very well deserved vacation far away from this area of New York. Yes, agree. But we did go to see the final performance of Company on Broadway. <laughs> Uh, there were lots and lots and lots and lots of standing ovations. Oh, yeah. Uh, lots of tears. Five, I think, major ones. Somebody asked me at intermission how many well, standing ovations there had been. But there were like, there were main standing ovations where everyone stood for a while, including for Ladies Who Lunch. Which mm-hmm. and, and, and Not Getting Married Today. Not Getting Married Today. Those were the biggest two for sure. Uh, and then there were like there were little ones where yeah. people were standing, but not the whole theater, and, and didn't stop the show necessarily. Yeah. Um, now that we have seen the final performance, it was the 300th performance on Broadway oh. of Company, including 268 regular performances and 32 previews. Um, after the show, Marion Elliott and producer Chris Harper, who He's of course salary. got Said multiple, we got multiple jokes of that, both from Marion and from Chris. Just like sir, we know it's enough. Once is <laughs> enough. In fact, none was enough. We've heard it like nine times at the tone. It is. It works still. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say, like this is the third time I've seen it. Yeah. Um, this is the fifth plus uh, slime tutorial. I don't know what you're talking about. That means nothing. Like that nothing. term means nothing. If you search that on YouTube, you will find don't nothing that I have any ideas about. Yes. I gotta tell you, this was this was a different experience because of it being a closing, obviously. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, like, let, let's just start with Katrina. That was the best she sounded. That was by far the best she sounded. Like there was even some like belting going on like we're gonna close now i know she actually sounds good and made me tear up and everything yeah i mean her live sounded great her ending to being alive sounded like the ending of being alive that you want like there was some belting in there it was it was really really good you know what it was for me it was the other times that i've seen her it has not felt being alive like the culmination yeah yeah, i'm being in the show as a whole has not felt sincere and honest matching the rest of her performance. Because hmm. everything else, you liked like the acting performance yeah, from her the I rest of the show. acting performance mostly. And then, like, you know, I, I go back and forth on it. And then for the most part, like, I like her other songs. I think her being alive has always been really weak to me. And because that's the song. Like, when you think of... Yeah. of, of company you think of Raul or or Larry you know what's that right yeah whether company or not (laughs) um but yeah like that's the one you're like yeah this has to hit and that was where the the, 
Yeah, and Patty was going to handle ladies who lunch, yeah. and that was where the issue was for me. Is that it was like it was good, it was fine. Like I had no problems with it, but this was actually pretty great. I no notes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm happy. I, I think everyone came and hammed it up. In oh, ways that I've never seen them ham things up. Oh yeah, I'm really curious because I haven't seen it since first preview this time Mm -hmm. around um what has been added in throughout opening what has what was ad-libbed what else well they were definitely chris fitzgerald was definitely milking some stuff which is like what i want chris fitzgerald to do yeah i mean he's always great in in, especially in his scene there um yeah, but I mean, he was definitely overgoing it, overdoing it, not overdoing it, but like doing no, more than yeah. he normally would. It was, it worked perfectly. He was chewing scenery. Um, of course, Jen Samard and Chris, uh, uh, Chris Siebert were, I mean, extra great. Iconic. Yeah, iconic, especially after I saw Titanic this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, just great. And I gotta tell you, so the last time I saw it, I mentioned here on Broadway Radio that like during, um, um, oh, what's the song that opens Act Two? Um, uh, side by side. Yeah, side by side by side. So I mentioned the fact that, like, in one of those moments where they were paused, um, Greg Hildreth and Patty Lapone stand face to face together, but Greg Hildreth has his back to the audience. And I was over on the side mm-hmm. and I noticed them just like whispering through the whole thing and like trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. Today, and I didn't see what ha- what led to it, but I looked over at them, and Greg Hildreth's party hat, because they're all wearing party yeah, hats, yeah, yeah. was in the middle of his forehead like a unicorn horn. <laughs> so I don't know if he did that, if it fell, if Patty did it, but right before they started moving again, you see Patty pick it up and put it on the top of his head. And I died laughing. Yes, that was great. And then there's the moment when in that same song where people are isolated and they're doing the. And the yeah, the couples are, and they're doing the, the pounding and the hand slaps yeah. or whatever. At one point, Patty was right behind Rashid Rascott. Um, they were not focused yeah. on other people were doing it. And I looked over at Patty and she is doing the rhythm on Rashidra's butt. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Patty is, cl- you know, I think Patty has such this reputation of yeah. one because of like, yeah, like because she's been around forever, because she speaks her mind, because she's, she's a diva, like in all of the stuff with Andrew Lloyd Webber and all of the feuds that she's had and all that stuff. Um, and to be honest with you, she does kind of have resting bitch face. Um, yeah, but who amongst us? Yeah, but, but, but I think that's wrong. Like people always talk about how loving she is and, and all that yeah. stuff. So like you forget if you play into especially the Joanne persona of it all, like you forget that like, oh yeah, she's like really funny and like somebody that everybody loves to work with. And it was just fun to see that over. Well, yeah, mostly, mostly (laughs) Arthur Lawrence aside. Um, but like across, yeah, of course. Um, but across multiple performances of this show to like to see her play with the cast members and to be, you know, obviously Katrina's the, the lead of the show, but like Patty's clearly the lead of the company, no pun intended. Um, as she is for every show that she's in. So to see her be that, lighthearted lead for everybody else that's that's sweet and lovely because you don't know when you're going to see patty lapone on broadway again if she'll ever be in a musical again talk to me about it i I mean she's the one who talked about it i thought about it i thought about it while she was doing ladies who lunch and i just like complete waterworks already anyway yeah it was a mess it was a disaster it was the ladies who almost threw up their lunch because they were crying (laughs) so hard well and she 
she ate up the standing ovation because she was in no oh, hurry. I mean, it had to be. Tossed her coat yes, and she just waited, did nothing. Yeah. I've always said that the longest mid-show standing ovation that I've ever seen was for Stokes after um, uh, after the Impossible Dream yeah. in Man of La Mancha. And I think that still probably stands because this was a closing performance. So, yeah. but like. It went on for multiple minutes, and she was in no hurry to stop it. And I was just anywhere. looking. I was Bring looking. Bring her another drink. Yeah, I was looking at Terrence Archie and Katrina Link, who are the only other two people on stage, yeah. and they're just sitting there, just looking at her, just looking at her in character. Her, in they were in character. Towards her, just letting her eat it up. Yeah, it was great, and the audience loves Patty. Everybody who was in that theater yeah. like worships the ground that she walks on, and, and that was obvious, but. Um, let's also talk about um, Matt Doyle, uh, the other Tony-winning performance. Matt Love Matt Doyle. Um, I think he went up on some of the lines at the end of the song um, when he was naming all of the gifts, uh, all, all the gifts that they received. I think he got tongue twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the forty-seven. Yes, so and he ended with to yell fifty-seven. Yes, <laughs> to get it out. Yeah, but like that number will never not impress me because even though, again, knowing I know the song. Yeah. But, like, the clarity that which he puts that out is ridiculous. Yeah. That was the song where I'm like, thank God for good sound design. Yes, and good articulation good from articulation, him. articulation, but you hear every word in a song that it is just, could easily be a mumble. Yeah, and it was not. You hear every single thing, and and what's great about it is, is it's not just him rapid-fire dialoguing. Yeah. It, it is him, like acting through the oh, song yeah. it is great it's a well-deserved tony award um very happy for him so much because you i think it's the only song where when it starts where not even an actor is or not even like the actor singing the song is on the stage people know what it is they yep. know what to expect and they are already on their feet well, yeah and what's great about it is is you know it starts and then the i guess preacher or whatever yeah. comes up through the stage and like it didn't get a standing ovation then, but it got a pretty dang good ovation before they pushed the rest of the set forward yeah. to the kitchen. Yeah, I mean it's and it's a. I, I know that there are people who disagree with me, but Marion Elliott is a flipping genius Correct. when it comes to staging. Like uh. that show is so well staged, and I said it before, side by side by side, okay. that number TikTok, TikTok, TikTok like okay, can we mind. can we talk about like yes. that? Yes, we can. That is Claiborne Elder. Yeah. Coming from the bed into the bathroom, yeah, right? That's, I think so. Right? I think it is too. Like, but I gotta drop down. How? Somehow? I mean, I don't think it's an understudy. <laughs> I was, and I, I've seen it now three times, and every time oh, I yeah. assume it's him. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not because there I've are seen multiple it bobbies. Better sights, so, you know, like closer up too, and I'm pretty sure it's still Clay, but I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. 100% sure. Whether, you know, if it's not... All, wi- all white like, men look alike to me. Let's just be honest. All white men in, not tidy whities but it could have been me. In you. tidy blueies. Like, is that Matt? It is, well, I mean, we are about the same height, same hair, and same build. Um, either way, that number is is genius. For a song that really... I mean, that's there's no lyrics. It's, it's just... No. It's something that you would... Skip on a cast dance, album, like a ballet yeah. before a sexy time ballet, and it is sexy time. Yeah. But it is just so well done and so explanatory into Bobby's mindset yeah. when when she's dealing with the three boyfriends yeah. and what the future could hold. Yeah. And it's so art- beautifully articulates, yeah. 
and it that that's run runs through her mind. That's what stands between her and, and some sort of commitment. Oh, yeah. uh, it's so elegantly done, and, and to see it again was was really special. And the choice of direction behind that. I mean, obviously, it's incredibly well directed. But I mean, the what was it? PBS documentary mm-hmm. they just did the company yep. where Marion was talking about it. She was like, "Oh, you, or someone." It might have been. I don't think it was Sondheim that said. Somebody said, "You know, there's supposed to be like a, a ballet here." She's like, "Oh no, I didn't." And she's like, "What's it called?" TikTok. Like a biological clock. Yeah. TikTok, this is perfect. Yeah. We're doing it. It's and so it's brilliant. Like the the thought process of that and the which I told you the other day, like the swapping of the genders is not necessarily no. interesting to me in any way. I think it works better the way that it is now, but it's like yeah. to bill it as this gender swapped company, not interesting, but I think that's the one thing where it's like, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And I'm glad that it's done this way. Yeah. I think for 2022, having Bobby be a woman and all the societal pressures that go along with that makes so much sense because as a man who is now 41 years old and unmarried, I can tell you no one gives a shit. Yeah. No one cares if you're 35 and a man and not married. Right. But women do have that pressure uh, that makes it more realistic. I also think that you know we've talked about this ad nauseum about the differences that they could have done. Do it again. <laughs> yeah, they could. I think they should have been, you know, less of a reliance on cast on recasting everybody to be yeah. men. Um, well, but I th- lose really iconic lady roles. Yes, but I will say the fact that all three of the girlfriends are now boyfriends. Yeah, that and, and they don't play it for this, but there certainly is a little bit of incel mentality in there when they're talking about yeah. how like. She gets them up and then leaves them flat. Like <laughs> it's choreography. Yeah. So good. That that is a little incelly and it's it makes me dislike the characters, but they don't play it that way, so I don't no, put do. it on then. But I think they could have, but then you lose the you know, the the likability for them. So I'm glad they didn't, but like again, that makes sense in today's day and oh, age. Yeah. And it's much more I feel like it was much more intense in the UK because you had like them shouting lines like that time of the month. Yes. Like, it was very Yes. If you listen to the, the cast yeah, yeah, album yeah, from yeah, there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this one the boyfriends were really interesting to me this time because they were played much softer the last time I saw them. They were softer than yeah, the- I feel, like in other which way? Than, other than PJ, who's always been like the obnoxious Brooklyn boy that everyone knows and yeah. hates. Uh, I feel like um, Theo, especially. I've loved Manu is. I think Manu he's is been. Um, he's so such, charismatic and such charming. A good casting decision. Yes. There. Um, and I mean Claiborne is also incredible. I yeah. I feel like for um, you can drive a person crazy. I feel like they were much more intense in this performance, and that could just be like hamming it up. Yeah. Yeah more than anything else but yeah i feel like in previous performances i've seen they've kind of been like not necessarily trying to play like this ideal boyfriend because none of them are right in any form but they were closer to it we're now seeing it's like oh all three of these people are just stay <laughs> the hell away from me i i think theo is the closest Theo's the closest like theo seems like he's the one that got away yeah maybe Maybe. Well, if Not if there is Bobby. one, I don't think there is one for Bobby. Well, so I was say if there is yeah. one, it, it's probably Theo, yeah. um, because I mean Andy's an idiot, <laughs> and and PJ is an idiot of a different yeah, stripe. Different kind of idiot, yeah, an but insufferable idiot. Yeah, I one's would, insufferable and one isn't. I don't know. I think they're both insufferable. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, maybe it's just my affection for Manu that uh, gives me uh, that. Also, a a great um, uh, Charlie in in um, Merrily We Roll Along. Oh, yeah. he was really good. Absolutely, that. he was the. I know you hated that production. I didn't hate that production. You didn't like it? No, I I didn't like the cuts. Mm, but yeah, either. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? I have no more bodily fluids, even though I've been chugging. Yeah, this you've been drinking this bo- this this it room is- temperature water. <laughs> Nearly gone. Um, I'm just so grateful that it actually got to come to the stage. This is the first time I've seen this production since Sondheim died, and that yeah. was not out of my brain the sure. whole time. Um, and I think it's just a production that does him very proud. Absolutely. And fortunately, the show will be going off on a 2023-2024 season <laughs> national tour. And I will find it. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris Harper confirmed that uh, on stage. Um, and look, I'm here for any type of Sondheim uh, revival. I hope this is not the last time we see Marion Elliott do a Sondheim show because I think her I in... She comes from theater, like yeah. from from plays, um, and I think that her mentality and her brilliant staging, like it fits so well in Sondheim's world. So I don't know what might be next for her. She thinks in play, yeah, and cinema, yeah. So, so I, I don't know what would be next. Maybe seeing her do like uh, uh, I don't, she could come do Marilyn. I know they've already got some. No, we've got we've already got Marilyn. Um, Give us a Sweeney. So we've already got a Sweeney coming too. We can do another Sweeney. Um, with uh, uh, Fosca. What's the um, passion? Passion. Thank you. Uh, I would love to see her pa- her passion. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really really yeah, interesting. Passion revival in general. Where is she? We have not seen passion in a long time. So. Anyway, that is all that we have for you today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>